Hello and welcome to the Messages and Methods Livecast Life 2.0 Livestream Podcast, hosted by Encore Entrepreneurs Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. We inspire excitement for content creation and marketing your brand and business while answering all your technology and digital marketing questions. We love to help you, our content creator friends, with actionable tips to land more clients, nurture leads, and gain trust as an expert in your industry. Chat with Shelley and Toby live every Thursday on YouTube or Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Messages and Methods. I'm Shelley Carney. And I'm Toby Eunice. Thanks for joining us today. We truly appreciate it. We have a wonderful guest. Shelley? That's right. Our guest today is Pamela Wilson. She's a digital marketing expert, executive coach, keynote speaker, and the founder of PamelaWilson.com. She helps people build profitable online businesses the smart way. Pamela is rewriting the create a $17 product to grow your audience idea that's so prevalent online. She believes that's terrible advice, especially when you're an expert on your topic. Her program, the Offer Accelerator, is for online business owners who have an audience and want to create a high-value offer that generates ten dollars to $20,000 per month. Helping online business owners step into their true value is the thing Pamela is most passionate about. We're excited to hear more from Pamela. Thank you so much for having me here. I am really excited to talk to you about these topics. I can't wait to dig in. And I know we're starting with Q&A, so I am ready. All right, good. Well, let's start with the basics. Uh, Pamela, please tell us a little bit about your background and especially the origin story that got you into doing what you are doing today. I My business is celebrating 30 years this year. I started my business in 1992, and um, it was an offline business, so offline service-based business. I was a marketing and design studio that was serving print design clients. Remember the days of brochures and magazines? It was that kind of work, and I loved it, but in 2010, I started feeling like I was ready for a new challenge. I wanted to be able to reach my customers wherever they were in the world. And so I built an online business and that has been going strong since 2010. And what happened in 2010 is I saw the advice that so many of us see when we first come online, which is package up your expertise and make it accessible and don't charge too much for it. Sell to lots of people, develop a huge audience and sell at volume. And I discovered that that is terrible advice. It is the slow path to generating real revenue online. And that's why I'm very passionate. You're about to see how passionate. <laughs> I get really worked up about this topic because when people have expertise, you shouldn't be selling it for $17. You should be packaging it up in a way that you can really create revenue from the expertise that you've developed over your lifetime. I, I believe that's a perfect topic for our audience because our audience tends to be uh, senior citizens who are looking for an encore career. And a lot of them have turned to the digital world to implement that career. So I think this is exciting for them to be uh, to hear things like this. So how long you said you started this effort in 2012? Did you, 2010. That, 2010. Right. So mm -hmm. you've been at it for 12 years. Mm -hmm. and, and 
what what would you say what is the most uh the most important thing that you've learned in those 12 years the most important thing that i have learned is that you will be told that you need to just keep creating content and keep building your audience and that is true but that also postpones you generating revenue from your expertise so what can happen is you start to feel a little bit like a hamster on a wheel just posting you know creating new blog posts or making new podcast episodes or posting new youtube videos and that makes you feel very busy and very productive. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it's a bad thing. I, I wrote two books about content marketing, so I'm a huge fan. But you can't only do that. You have to focus on how you're going to generate revenue or else you'll end up having really kind of an expensive hobby and not a true business. Mm -hmm. So that's the big mistake that I see. And, you know, generating content can feel an awful lot like work, right? So I can understand how people can get it mixed up with work that actually generates revenue, but you have to do it with some strategy in mind so that the content you create actually leads to revenue. Uh, I'm going to turn this over to Shelly in just a sec. But uh, so you said you have to do it with a strategy in mind. Tell me a little bit, because that for, for most people, especially who are most people uh, who are going from a corporate career where they weren't responsible necessarily for strategy unless they were the CEO to an individual business, uh, maybe a sole proprietorship or an LLC where they're the uh, owner and uh, uh, running the business. What What's a good strategy for uh, someone who's making that transition from a corporate career to a sole proprietor online. You mean in terms of content, correct? Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, yes. how, what is it? What's the strategy for mm -hmm. going, mm -hmm. recognizing the value of being online? Right. And, you know, what, what's a good sensible strategy that doesn't require a lot of investment in time and money. Right. And you have hit the nail on the head because I do think that transition from the corporate space to being solely responsible for the revenue you generate is massive. It's like, you know, going across the grand Canyon or something, it's a big, big change, but it's also not, it's not as complex as you might think it is. The most important thing that you can do is to think, how can I ensure that everything that I am devoting time to is actually leading directly to revenue? And the simple way to do that is to work backwards and think, okay, you know, I have this offer. It's good to have an offer in mind that you're trying to send people to, right? And then you think, what do people need to understand, believe, know? before they become interested in my offer. And that's what your content should be about. Uh -huh. You need to create content that's not about what you ate for breakfast and it's not about what you're wearing when you're on your way out the door. It needs to be content that is really created in mind it, it, with your ultimate customer in mind, with that person at the front of your mind as you're creating it and with their objections, challenges, problems in mind. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. Shelly, over to you. Okay. Uh, so we talked about your uh, ideal customer and uh, what it is that you offer, but what do you, 
what do you find that your customers are struggling with the most? How do they transition? For instance, you talked about content creators um, and we, we talk about trans, uh, transitioning from a content creator to a content entrepreneur, somebody who's creating content and creating a business online uh, and an income online. What is that? What does that transition look like for your customers and what is their biggest struggle with that? I think that their biggest struggle really is trying to figure out how to make the work they're doing on a daily basis lead to revenue, which is what we, you know, we just addressed a little bit, but it's basically how can you take what you do on a daily basis and ensure that you are leading people to desiring the solution that you've developed for them. Um, it's, it's not an easy thing to figure out, but it's also not impossible. And I think once you've sort of nailed down the kinds of messages that you need to address in your content, then you can feel a lot more confident about going out and creating that content because you know it's actually going to work for you. So, um, so if you imagine that there's an individual who is pursuing this avenue and you needed to advise them, and not that I want you to give any away, away any of your business secrets here, but what's the smartest way to turn content marketing, uh, content creation, followed by content marketing into revenue generation? It, it is really that. It's this idea that you create content with a purpose in mind, right? That you have an offer that will help people and you create content that demonstrates that you are you have the authority to help them, you have the experience to help them, and you have a process. I just did a YouTube live earlier today that was all about how to create a framework for your, I call it a marketing framework, but it's basically a framework that explains how you do the work that you do. And it's taking how you develop the, how you deliver that ultimate result to people and explaining it in a step-by-step -step framework. So it's sort of saying, you want to get to point B, but you're at point A. And this is how I'm going to walk you through getting from where you are now to where you want to be. I have a plan. I have a process. So developing that kind of thing and having those content assets and those marketing assets can can make it so much easier than um, when you're just thinking like, oh, I, I just need to create a bunch of content because that's what I'm being told. Make content, right? So, uh, Shelly, before I turn it back over to you, um, let's let's imagine you're looking for your ideal customer um, and you have a set of expectations at which point they are in their evolution before you can help them. Describe to me the client who you can who, uh, tell me what that client has to have in place in order for you to be able to help them. Where, right, where do you are mean, they? Like for me personally? For, you, you personally. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, my perfect client is somebody who has expertise, who's developed expertise on a topic. They are good at what they do. Oftentimes it's career expertise that's been developed over a lifetime, Right. And my ideal client needs to have some kind of an audience built because what I'm helping them to do is to create a test offer that they put in front of that audience and they test to see if the audience responds to the offer. So I can't work with them if they don't at least have 
Uh, well, you two probably remember Rolodexes. So, you know, if at least they don't have a good, good sized Rolodex or they don't have a good sized contact list, or, you know, some people have come to me and they have an email list or they have lots of connections on social media. They've developed a group of followers. Some people are podcasters and they have a lot of listeners in one way or another. They have to have some people to make that offer to, to put that offer in front of or else I can't do my work because I need them to develop an offer they can test with that audience. Mm -hmm. Could you give uh, our audience some examples of the kinds of businesses, not necessarily the individuals, but the businesses they were, they were uh, thinking about uh, that you've been able to help? What kind, of, what kind of entrepreneurs have you been able to help? When people ask me, I have to almost laugh in advance because I have such a wide variety of clients. I mean, you're not going to believe the example. So one of my clients is has been a home organizer in in Texas, um, and she was trying to figure out how to how to continue to be a home organizer during the pandemic, which I mean, it wasn't really a good time to be going into people's homes. Mm -hmm. She had a $17 offer when she came into my program. And what she ended up doing was developing a program for luxury home organizers, for people who wanted to do home organizing at a very high level and build a business at a very high level to organize luxury homes that they could get paid more for. And she now has a program that trains those people and she charges $20,000 for her program. So that's a really extreme example. Another person I'm helping right now is an Israeli circus artist. She is a very well-known circus artist in Israel, trapeze artist, uh, very well-known in her country. And what she has done, what she was doing when she came to me is she was she was serving circus artists and helping them to develop. She's She's really good at creating shows, kind of like, Cirque de Soleil, like choreographing all of what's happening in front of you. Very creative person. But she was trying to help circus artists. And guess what? Circus artists don't, they don't have any money to spend, right? So we work together and she is now developing an offer that helps corporate executives. So CEOs and you know people at the C-level in corporations use creativity as part of their day-to-day -day. and she's it's going to be a series of workshops that she delivers in person and of course it's for the corporate audience so she can charge for it and get paid well for it somebody else who's in the program now used to coach for tony robbins and went out on his own and has been on his own for the past nine years and was not charging nearly enough. I mean, when he told me how much he was charging for his executive coaching, it was just not even close to what he should, should have been coaching uh, or charging for. So what I helped him to do is develop a, a series of like IP assets, intellectual property assets that he could add to his coaching offer and charge more for the work that he does. The work is not that dramatically different but he's adding in some elements and he's positioning it differently so that he can charge more. And he, I mean, he stepped right up and, and increased his rates like immediately. It was so great to see because he was not charging enough to start. So 
How about that for varied examples? No, those are those really are very varied examples. I've had I'm people gonna... say to me, like, what's the common thread? And I'm like, uh, they're all people. I don't know. That's yeah, about yeah. <laughs> they're all experts in one oh, way or that's... another. So, Shelly, let me take a quick break here and mention that the super chat, chat light is lit. If you go down to the chat uh, bottom of the chat window, you'll see a dollar sign. Click on that dollar sign. YouTube, find folks at YouTube will walk you through making a contribution to our project. By the way, if you're looking at this, if you're watching this video after the live stream, that same dollar sign uh, symbol is there and it's called super thanks. So you can still make a contribution to our project. And of course, like always, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to like our video, share it with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your business associates, the entirety of your social network so that we can grow the channel. Finally, if you are not already a subscriber, this would be the ideal time to subscribe and click that notifications bell so that every time we start a live stream, you'll be immediately informed and as a result in the know. Shelly? All right. So do you recommend to your clients a, a ladder of products where they have an entry level on up to the high ticket offer? Or are you having them focus only on a high ticket offer? I actually think that ladder puts people way behind the eight ball. I, I just think it, it, it takes too long. It's too confusing. And, and I really, here's the thing, Shelly, people, people have a challenge. They have a problem. They go to the internet to look for a solution. They really want to solve their problem. If they, if it's a problem that is worth solving, they want a solution now and they're willing to pay for it. You should not make them jump through $17, $97 hoops to get to the solution that they really want. I would rather see someone develop a higher value offer that actually solves the problem, that they can sell two, three, four, five of them a month and make a great living rather than feeling like I'm going to develop a $97 offer that I have to somehow sell 500 of every month so that I can make a decent living. So I, I do focus on the higher value offer and that's why, because I'm not coaching beginners. I'm not coaching newbies. I'm coaching people who have genuine expertise to offer. And I would rather see them pour a little extra time and effort into developing something they can really charge for. And did you mention that I call it high value, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And that's, that's very intentional. Do you, do I have a second to explain what I mean by that? Absolutely. In this space, a lot of people talk about high ticket offers, <clears throat> develop a high ticket offer, right? And I actually think that when you talk about a high ticket, it, the focus is sort of on, you know, the creator's bank account, right? I have a high ticket offer and that means my bank account's going to grow because I'm going to charge a lot for it. I would rather think of it as a high value offer that you are deliver delivering really true transformation and true value to the person that you're serving with your offer. The kind of transformation that will really make their lives better in some measurable way and that you can then receive value in exchange for that. So that's why I call it a high value offer rather than high ticket. So that 17 or the 1797, something that ends in seven always sounds to me like that, like something that came out of the warrior forum, you know, <laughs> operation. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's just like and yeah. you pay them, you pay them for the pleasure of them selling you something that's going to make you your $17, you know, just, right. um, I'm, I, 
tune it's like into a ticket to an upsell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tune into them just because I want to see what they're doing now, but uh, I'm not sure I always agree with their methodologies. So what are common reasons as you've dealt with these uh, various clients of yours, you know, you have successes, uh, you have to deal with their successes and their failures. What are some of the common reasons that these approaches or what they're doing uh, fail rather than succeed? Yeah. I have a weird approach to this. Um, I And I really try to preach this within my programs and on, in my content as well. I believe that as long as you are testing and you approach your offer process and even your content creation process in a spirit of testing things, there's no way to really truly fail because you always end up having data that you didn't have mm -hmm. before you tested, right? So to me, the only failure is people who never actually get out of the gate with an offer that they test. Then you're failing because you don't actually have any feedback. You don't have any data from that test. And so you can't move forward because you haven't gotten out of the gate. So that might be the only true failure. But the way it works in my program is you put a test out offer out there. We do it within the first 30 days. So I have a process that as long as you come in with your boots on and ready to work, we get right to work. And within 30 days, you have a high value offer ready to test, right? When you test that offer, you're going to go into it with some goals, some earning goals. Like I will be happy if X number of people purchase this test offer. And then we evaluate. Then we look to see like, okay, did it perform how we wanted or did it not do what we expected? If it didn't do what we expected, well, that is still a win because you have that data and you didn't have that data before. So you have that information and you can turn around and say, okay, I need to position it differently. I need to put it together differently and you can reconfigure it and put it back out there. More often than not though, people do get, you know, optimistic feedback, right? They, they feel good about the offer. And then we say, okay, let's build it out. Let's make it add all the bells and whistles that maybe we didn't have in the test offer. We work on positioning it, streamlining the marketing for it. So it's all done in a spirit of testing. I, you know, I'm not one of those, you know, gurus who says, I have this solution in a box that I'm going to sell to you. And as long as you create this exact thing, it's going to work. I, I don't buy that. Mm. <laughs> you could probably tell. So I just, it's a very custom process, my process. And I get to know the person. We tap into their values and their strengths. And we create something that's very custom to them and their audience and what their audience needs. And as long as they go into it with the spirit of testing, there's not really a way to get it wrong. That's a very good approach. Shelly, back to you. So what would be, a, let's call it an average, because you have you can average over your clients and your own business. What would be an average timeline from the time a person, uh, a possible interested client, uh, would see an advertisement or hear about your program on a podcast, that first contact, how many times do you need to meet with them and how many, how long does it take until they purchase the final offer? You know, I don't have good enough data to answer that completely accurately. I can tell you that once people reach out and schedule 
we have a process where they can schedule a strategy call. I have a client strategy coach who meets meets with them and um, sort of determines, here's the thing, I'm kind of picky about who I work with. I don't work, I, I reject about 50% of the people who, who want to join this program because I really want to bring in people who have the conditions in place that they can be successful. Because I mean, I want to see them be successful. It's a lot more fun to coach people who can have success, right? So I reject about 50% of the people. And the way we figure that out is my client strategy coach meets with them and asks them a series of questions and gives them some information. So it's, I mean, it's not really a sales call. It's really like, are, do you have the conditions that would work within this program? And they walk away with some advice, no matter what. They either walk away with advice about what they need to work on so that they can develop the conditions to join the program, or he can tell them about the program if they do seem like they would be a good fit. So I can give you data on that piece of the process, but I don't necessarily know because we have, you know, I'm putting things out in a lot of places. So I don't know exactly, you know, from where somebody first heard about me to where they apply. Sometimes it's the same day. <laughs> and then sometimes people have been in my audience for literally years before they apply for the program. So I, I don't know what the average should be, to be honest. But from the time somebody books a strategy call to the time they sign up, it's four or five days, I would say, usually. So uh, aside from <clears throat> engaging you as a consultant, what are, what are some of the things that one of your clients can do to ensure that the offer they develop is going to be a successful offer? Honestly, it is really that it's embracing that testing process, embracing that process of I'm going to put something together. Here's here's what happens. People come into the program. They have this huge dream for an offer that they want to create. It has all these bells and whistles. It has all this technology and all this, you know, sometimes AI and all these worksheets and all these videos and all the, you know, all of these elements that they dream about creating. And what I try to tell them is, look, just figure out how you want to help people and like meet with them on Zoom. Just do it very, do it, do a very pared down version of what you have in your head so that you can test it to see if it's actually going to work. Because as you know, those of us who have experience suffer from the curse of knowledge. So we don't always remember what it was like to be a beginner. And we don't remember the questions that we had when we were just trying to master our topics, right? Uh -huh. So if somebody is willing to go through that testing process and be open to, I'm going to put something out there, it's not going to be as polished as what I have in my head, then there is they will be successful because they'll be building an offer based on the feedback that they get from actual customers. Whoopsies. Okay. Shelly, are you frozen? Uh, no, am I'm I the only one that's not frozen? I hear you. <laughs> okay. We're all here. We're all good. Um, let's talk a little about, um, I don't know my, my question went out of my head. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little about the process itself. Uh, so a, a client comes to you, they sign up with you, together you work on 
creating an offer, how are they presenting that offer to their audience? Is it a webinar? Is it, what, what are they doing at that point? So again, and this is one of the things that's hard about my program because I don't have like any solutions in a box. What I have is more like a toolkit. It's like, well, you know, let's think about your audience. Let's think about your existing skills and strengths and we'll pull out the tools that we need for this, right? At this point, I've been doing this for a long time. So I have a lot of tools in that toolkit. So um, in the case of some clients, it has been a webinar. In some cases, though, it's been like a very simple Google Doc. And I give people a template that they can create a very simple Google Doc. And for example, they might talk about it in a Facebook post and somebody reach out to, reaches out to them on Messenger and they send them to a Google Doc and the person buys from the Google Doc. So there's not like a one size fits all solution to how they promote it. What they have is a lot of different options. So we've started though with wherever their audience is. So if they do have a lot of people they're connected to on Facebook, then I'm going to encourage them to use Facebook. If they have a large email list, I'm going to encourage them to develop a sequence of emails. And I have templates and structures for those emails that they can use. If they love webinars and they really want to do this webinar style, I have a webinar template they can follow as well. So it's it's sort of like an, it, I hate to answer, it depends, but it, it depends, Shelly. <laughs> Sorry. All right. That's so the true how answer. they normally reach their audience is how you would have them. Uh, exactly. Go, go yes. That's definitely the shorter way to say it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make sure before we go and ask you to share with us some of the places that our audience can get in touch with you. Is there anything that we may have missed in our questioning that you would like to add to the conversation? You know, one thing that I always try to remind people, and especially if your audience is more in, you know, our age group, right? There, the, the marketing world has changed. And when you market things online, one of the most important things that you can remember that will give you a lot of courage and hopefully give you a lot of hope as you go through this process is that pixel ink is never dry. And I didn't make that up, by the way, but it's one of my favorite statements. I came from a print design world and, you know, I was responsible for print runs of tens and hundreds of thousands of, you know, issues of something, right? And if we got something wrong, it was a big problem. <laughs> you know, if there was an address wrong or a phone number wrong, it was a big problem because there was like printed evidence of that mistake all over. When, when and if, I should really just say when, because we all make mistakes. When you get something wrong online, there's almost always a way to very quickly correct it. And that can give you a lot of hope and courage as an online business owner because you can just go in there and and fix it right you don't have to worry about going i mean i've had clients that have had to put stickers on things because they got things wrong so back in the day right that's not the case anymore and so just remember pixel ink is never dry go into it with a spirit of experimentation and you will learn what you need to learn to create an offer that makes a huge difference in your customers' lives and in your life as well. The reason I'm smiling uh, is because as you were describing that, I have a couple of uh, unpleasant memories of <laughs> missed print. Oh my gosh, or, oh. I know. Yeah, oh. it's the kind of but, thing that would keep you up at night, right? Yeah, yeah. But digital technology enables us to make 
very quick, very clean changes without uh, apology. You just take care of it as soon as you find out there's an issue. Shelly, right. over to you. Our audience is mostly made up of encore entrepreneurs, people in their retirement years who are content creators, content entrepreneurs, or those who are interested in, in doing that. Uh, could you offer them one action that would help them to move the needle today for the for their business for their content creation uh to to help them to grow online in their presence or uh to start an income stream something that you could offer them as a as an action step all right you offered me like seven different options there shelly i'll let you pick which one you <laughs> okay. like the best okay so um I would give people this one takeaway tip that they might consider doing to get to know their audience better. It's something that we do in my program. And it is such a simple thing, but go to Amazon and imagine that your customer is trying to solve the challenge that you solve or that you want to solve for them, right? Put yourself in their shoes and think, what books are they buying? What books are they buying and reading to try to solve this challenge? Go to the best-selling books in that category and then scroll all the way down to the bottom and look at the reviews. And in the reviews, you will find people who talked about exactly what they appreciated about how the author solved the problem. And then if you go to the one-star reviews, you'll find out what they did not like about how the author solved the problem, right? So getting those two customer voices about what they appreciated and then what they are looking for that they didn't find in that book, that can be so eye-opening. And so I would recommend that people try that. And I have a spreadsheet that I give people, but you can create your own or just keep it in a document. But literally just copy paste those reviews, the negative and the positive. You're not going to use them anywhere, but it, having that customer language and understanding how people are trying to solve that problem and what is lacking in the industry right now can be super informative. Hmm. Oh, wow, that's a really amazingly good piece of advice. I'm glad you picked that one. Yeah. Good. So let's talk about where people can find you and the offer that you're making. Well, um, the best place really is PamelaWilson.com. I rebranded with my name um, a little less than a year ago. So I'm very happy to just be able to give my name nowadays. It's a lot easier than what I had. Um, so PamelaWilson.com. And you can see a green button up in the upper right corner that says Offer Accelerator, which is the name of my program. I also have OfferAccelerator.com, which is a URL that redirects to a page on my site that explains all about the program. And if people are interested, I would love to hear from them. I'd love to talk about how we could create a higher value offer that would help you to make great revenue online. Okay. And we'll have that in the description box in the show notes, uh, PamelaWilson.com slash offer dash accelerator, or you can just go to PamelaWilson.com and click on the button to take you to the offer accelerator page. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Well, those are all the questions that I have. Toby, do you have anything else? No, I wanted to say thank you very much to Pamela for joining us today on the conversation. I hope she found it as fruitful as we found it. And we hope our audience, of course, uh, takes advantage of what they've learned today and uh, 
makes their way to Pamela's website to engage with her on uh, future possibilities. Thanks for this opportunity. We got to talk about some of my favorite topics. So I really appreciate the excellent questions. Thanks to both of you. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're glad you're here today. That's right. We'll be back again next week with more messages and methods. I think Toby and I have air our own special uh, topic next week, um, but we look forward to uh, more guests in the future. And we thank Pamela Wilson for spending time with us today on messages and methods. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining Messages and Methods Livecast Live 2.0, hosted by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Please subscribe and leave a comment or question, and we'll consider your ideas for future shows. Share this podcast with your family and friends so they can learn about current digital marketing practices, too. Check the show notes for links and resources, and please come back again next week.